Hello, friends. Time for the second hour of Open Line with Dr. Michael Wright only, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. We're talking about your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. My name is Michael Rydelnik. I'm professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody and also currently the academic dean there at Moody Bible Institute. I'm coming to you live today from Moody Radio Studios in Zeeland, Michigan. Moody Radio Grand Rapids. Thank you so much to the uh, people here at Moody Radio Grand Rapids for allowing me to use the studio today. Uh, Thanks to Scott Curtis, the general manager. Is that right? Actually, I am the operations manager. Operations manager. Okay. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being here with me today. He's, uh, I, you know, I always have a, an engineer right there in the studio with me in Chicago, Courtney, but we've got one right here. So we've got double engineering today, right? <laughs> Hopefully we're doing a good job. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much for having me here. Appreciate that a lot. Uh, well, if you'd like to give me a call today, uh, it's going to be the same as same same as always. Just give me a call at 877-548-3675. Let me repeat that. Uh, it's time to call now. It's always good at the beginning of the hour. That's when we've got some uh, space on the phone line. So 877-548-3675. You can also post your question. If you can't get through by going to openlineradio.org, you'll see a link there that says, Ask Michael a Question. And you click on that, fill out the form, and Trish will add your question to the mailbag. Well, uh, before we get back to the phones, let me tell you about our current resource. Charlie Dyer is actually one of the world's foremost experts on Bible prophecy. When we were students together at Moody Bible, he was ahead of me. He was in the doctoral program when I was in, uh, I was in the master's program. He actually tutored me in my first course, and the subject was Bible prophecy. And that's why I've chosen for our current resource his book, What Does the Bible Say About the Future? 30 Questions About Prophecy, Israel, and the End Times. It's an easy-to-understand biblical guide for understanding God's prophetic word. And it's yours when you give a gift of any size to OpenLine. It's just a way for us to say thank you for giving, and we really appreciate it. If you'd like to give your gift, go to OpenLineRadio.org or call 888-644-644. 7122. And uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, well, we're going to go back to the phones. Wayne in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is calling, listening on the app. Welcome to Open Line, Wayne. How can I help you? Hey, good morning, Dr. Mike. How's everything going? Thank God. Okay. Good. There you go. <laughs> hey, as long as we got air in our lungs and milk in our cereal, right? That's right. Things are going great. <laughs> exactly. All right. Good stuff. So my question is about angels. Now, I've always understood that angels are ministering spirits, um, that they don't have bodies. However, in Genesis chapter 19, verse 3, it said that they ate with Lot. And it also says in Genesis chapter 18, 8, that they ate with Abraham. So if they ate as they prepared food, how do they not have bodies? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anyone does. I think what it is uh, that they are able to take on the appearance of a body. That That's what it seems like to me, because uh, they are indeed ministering spirits. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. So they are spirits, but uh, when they, like when Gabriel 
comes to speak to Daniel or when you have the angel of the Lord with the other two angels there in Genesis, I believe chapter 18, uh, what you have are angels taking on the form of a body, and it looks like that they can do that. Otherwise, I don't know what the answer is. I, I'm just going with what I can see. Okay? Uh, yeah. I, I, because this is it's more or less a loaded question because we had a discussion last month about angels going, you know, having sexual relationships with, with mm-hmm. women, you know, and creating Nephilim giants. So mm-hmm. I went to the Moody Bible Commentary. I knew about the two different views of the sons of God you know, being angels, and then all of a sudden the sons of God being translated with being the line of, 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 of not Shem, but what's, what's the gentleman's name? Um, Seth. Seth. Yeah. And I said, okay, I understand, I understand that. And, you know, Jesus said it also, you know, they're, they're like angels, you know, that people won't be given in marriage and not in marriage. But long story short, I'm going around a block too long. The long story short is, if they don't have bodies, how are they eating? Mm-hmm. You know, and then and going then, back and then the to question, then how the are they going to have becomes, sex with women? Yeah, well, I I think that the point of it is that uh, it says, uh, well, what the Lord Jesus said when the question came up about who will you be married to in the resurrection, uh, he says specifically that uh uh that in the in the next life and in, in the resurrection we will be uh like the angels who don't marry uh, you can see that in Matthew 22:30 it says in Matthew 22:30 uh uh here it is uh, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, the point of that is angels won't marry. And here in Genesis 6, it says they took wives for themselves. And so, obviously, this can't be angels because they're marrying. So, it seems to me it's not a question of physical capability so much as it's marriage, and they're not going to marry. So... I gotcha. Then how, okay. how are they eating? <laughs> that's that's the that's a big question. How are they uh, eating? I'm going to tell you the answer to that. Before? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Here's the answer. Ready. You don't know, and I don't know. <laughs> okay. There okay. we go. There, there's something. Fair, fair you know, that's enough. that's not a question that I don't know. That's a question I don't know the answer to, but it's not one that's going to keep me up at night. So I'm not too worried about it. You know. Okay. I I I I stumbled with this for about a month now because I'm going through the Bible chronologically again for the second time. Mm-hmm. But that question popped up in my mind. And I said I gotta ask Doctor Mike this. Well, well, like, thank you for I'm asking. I'm sorry I don't it. have a better answer. So sorry. Okay, you have a great day. Thanks for your call. Okay. You too. Bye bye. Bless you. <laughs> bye bye. Okay, uh, we're gonna go back to the phones here. Uh, our next caller is. Uh, let's see, Shoshana in, uh, in Lansing, Illinois. Welcome to Open Line, Shoshana. How can I help you? Hey, Shoshana. Shoshana, you still there? 
Let's see. Maybe maybe you can talk to Shoshana, Trisha, and Cindy is calling. Welcome to Open Line, Cindy. How can I help you? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question about, I've heard two very well-known pastors talk about how the shepherd would break a stubborn sheep's leg. uh, And while it was healing, he'd carry it. And I'm going to just read to you real quick from this Bible um, where he says, We are determined to go our own way. All of us are like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. In a flock, some sheep are so stubborn that their shepherd has to break one of their legs to keep them from wandering off. Then he splints the leg and carries the sheep until it can walk. It learns to stay close and trust the shepherd to lead. And it goes on. I've had other people say okay. that so, is not so, true. Okay. So that, is your question, is that true or not? Is that what your question is? Yeah. I've never. Okay. I mean, okay. I okay. value these two ministers are very much, but okay. other people say what? it okay. could not I'll, be. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, okay? Uh, a lot of that comes from books about manners and customs of Bible times. And sometimes I think those are a bit speculative. Uh, there may be a, a later shepherd from more modern times who might do that, and people speculate that that's what they would do in ancient times. We have no way of knowing if that's true or not. And so there's nothing in the Bible that says that that happens. And I'm always cautious I have to be very cautious when I read the Bible. There's a phrase that Paul uses, don't go beyond that which is written. And sometimes people use all these cultural backgrounds that we don't know if they're true or not to somehow enlighten the text. I think the best thing to know is that uh, when David compares God to a shepherd and himself to a sheep, in Psalm 23, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was the rod of discipline that a shepherd would use. And the staff would be the uh, the the hook that would pull him back in line, and that it was it was a comfort. David would think that the that God was there. The, also, the rod might very well be have been used to fight off a uh, uh, a another animal that might be attacking to take the rod and attack uh, a goat. Uh, not a goat. A uh, uh, a, a mountain lion or or something like that that might be attacking the sheep, and so he would bite it off. So it could be correction and guidance, the rod and the staff, uh, or it could be uh, protection and guidance for the rod and the staff. That's That's what it seems like to me, and I think that's all we can know. I don't know about the breaking of the leg. That just may be just sort of a, a conjecture that people have, okay? Okay. Thank you for okay. taking my call. Yeah, thank Bye-bye. you so much. Really appreciate appreciate your calling. Uh, we're going to speak with, uh, is, is Shoshana back? Oh, Dan. Okay, we're going to talk with Dan in Donnellan, Florida, listening on WHGN. Welcome to Open Line, Dan. How can I help you? Hi, thank you, Dr. Ray Delnick. I uh, was at a recent Bible study and someone mentioned speaking in tongues, and they were very passionate, 
and polite about it. However, uh, tongues means language, and I'm having a hard time addressing it so that they're not going the wrong way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, shed some light on it, please? Well, yeah, I, I just want to say that, that this is a very uh, disputed issue, and people go to war over this, and I, I think that we should... Uh, in my opinion, focus much more on the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5 than on the gifts of the Spirit that we argue about. I think we need to show deference and love for one another when we differ about these things. I don't feel, you know, when I'm discipling a new believer, I might teach them about this, but it's not something that I uh, will argue about with anyone, just so you know. Uh, If someone wants to engage with me about it, it's something that I might if it won't become an argument, I might very well do that. Uh, that said, I believe that we see what tongues are. The word tongue, we use it in our language, men of every tongue. We mean men of every language, right, if we use that in English. In Acts chapter 2, all the different Jewish people who were at Pentecost uh, from all over the world, uh, they were... Uh, they were there because uh, uh, they had come to celebrate Shavuot or Pentecost. Shavuot is a Hebrew word. And they heard the disciples speaking in the languages from their own areas in the diaspora the, around the world. And so clearly it refers to real languages. There's no change when we come to that. There are verses that people will use that I think are much more clearly understood as something other than some sort of ecstatic utterance or heavenly language. Uh, it's not, I mean, I, I, there's a lot more time I can go into it at another time. But nevertheless, uh, the, the point is, I think that you're right that there are languages, but I'm not sure I would argue about it, okay? Unless there's That's some what I did. I just want to make reason. sure I did my due diligence. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very I much, just, sir. Yeah, that's it. Just uh, I wouldn't argue about it, but I think you're right that it's a real language and uh, not not a special prayer language or anything like that. So anyway, uh, we can talk more about it another time. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, uh, we'll uh, take more of your calls right here on Open Line with Michael Rajelnik on Moody Radio. Don't go away. Open line. My name is Michael Radelnik. I'm so glad you're listening. You know, people will come up to me and say they're regular listeners to Open Line. When the program first started, I thought my wife Eva would be the only listener. So I'm so grateful for everyone who listens. And some of you even come up to me and say you're kitchen table partners. You give to Open Line every month so I can teach the Bible every week right here on the radio. And thanks for doing that. If you're listening to Open Line and it's been a help to you in your walk with the Lord, maybe you'd consider becoming a kitchen table partner too. Or maybe you were a kitchen table partner at one time and and want to start up again. Whatever the case, uh, I'd like to send you a, a, a Bible study moment. However it is, you know, what we do for kitchen table partners every other week, I send an audio Bible study. You get in your email, you click on it, 
and it's a way of me saying, uh, let's study the scriptures together every other week. Uh, if you'd like to become a kitchen table partner, just call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org and you can sign up there. Well, we're going to speak with Katie in Hewitt, Minnesota, listening on KTIG. Welcome to Open Line, Katie. How can I help you today? Uh, so uh, my husband and I, we live in an area where there are any Amish in the area, and they do not believe in self-defense or even in defending their family with a gun because by doing so, they say you judge a person to hell, and that's God's job. Is self-defense or even defending your family, is that biblical? And if so, where is the biblical evidence? Well, I think I would start with the idea that uh, it sounds like if you have that concept, uh, which is, uh, you know, there are people who are pacifists, and uh, if you have that concept, then really what you're saying is you can only defend yourself against fellow believers because you would not be sending them to hell. Now, obviously, you shouldn't use deadly force every time you defend yourself. It's not necessary to do that. It's a, it would be against the law, actually. You only use as much force as necessary to defend yourself. I think a good example of what the Scriptures say uh, is in Luke chapter 22, where it says, when the Lord Jesus is talking to the disciples, he says, uh, whoever has a money bag should take it, also a traveling bag. Whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. Uh, for I tell you what is written must be fulfilled in me. Uh, and uh, basically what it's saying is I'm going to send you out, make sure you have a sword to defend yourself when you travel, uh, which on Roman roads, even Roman roads, it wasn't like there was a lot of safety. There were uh, robbers and brigands, and so as a result, br- bring a sword. Uh, so it seems to me like we are expected to defend ourselves, uh, the very same people say you shouldn't serve in the government, in the army, uh, that uh, you shouldn't uh, ever take their, their conscientious uh, objectors. They don't want to serve in the military. But Romans 13 says the the government has been given been given the sword to execute justice. Uh, they do not ex- they do not use bear the sword in vain is literally what it says. So it seems to me. Uh, that that the idea of pacifism just doesn't hold up. One of my favorite examples, I heard a debate on the radio and a former colleague at Moody, now still a colleague, but teaches at Master Seminary, Kevin Zuber, uh, was on the radio with a pacifist, and the pacifist said, you should ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And And Kevin pointed out in Revelation 19, the Lord Jesus returns and slays the nations with the sword of his mouth. Uh, so... Uh, if you ask what would Jesus do, even the Lord Jesus will engage in battle. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's what I would say about that. So uh, again, be careful about this. I'm not advocating everyone get a gun and start shooting them up or anything, but it is permitted that we defend ourselves, and I think that's appropriate. So uh, we're going to talk with... Sh- Thanks for your call, Katie. Uh, we're going to talk with Shoshana in Lansing, Illinois. Hey, Shoshana, welcome to Open Line. Hi. Hi. How old are you, Shoshana? Nine. You're nine. Oh, and what grade are you in? I'm third grade. 
third grade. Do you like to read? Um, I like to read to myself, but not out loud. Uh-huh. Do, uh, well, I have uh, a grandson who's in first grade, and he's just learning to read. One of the things he still likes, though, mm-hmm. is to have, have me read to him. Do you like having people read to you? Yeah, I do like it sometimes, like when I'm really tired and then someone can just read to me when I'm in bed or something. Yeah, I think reading is great. Uh, well, I'm so glad you called, Shoshana. How can I help you? Um, well, my question is, how was God always there before he was there? Like, I don't understand how he never had a beginning. Okay. That's a tough one because everything we see uh, in this world, every effect has a cause. Every uh, Everything that's there had something that caused it to happen, right? So uh, there's always, there's nothing that just is always there. There's always a beginning with everything. With God, he, is, he was sort of outside this world that we live in, and he's the one that created having beginnings. So he just always was, and then... He decided to create a world. He even decided to create a beginning and to create a world that had beginnings. So the very first thing that God made was a beginning, if you can imagine that. That's hard for me to grasp. But let me kind of put it this way. Have you ever played dominoes where you put the dominoes up in, in all sorts of shapes and lines? Uh, right? Yeah. And, and you push one, and they all go over one after another. One knocks into the other, and knocks into the other and knocks into the other. You know about that, right? You've seen that. Mm -hmm. Well, what has to get that started? I mean, every domino knocks over the next domino, which knocks over the next domino, which knocks over the next domino, right? But what has to get it started? Yeah. You, right? The first domino. Yeah. Yeah. Not the first. You push the first one, right? Well, in a sense, God is the one who is outside the domino system if we were all dominoes, and he's the one that always was there, and he's the one that gives it the push. And that's why we look for a beginning for everything, because we're looking for the first domino. But God is not the first domino. He actually is outside of the system. He's like you pushing that domino. So he never had a beginning. He just was always there, just like you're not a domino. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Well, that really helps. Good. That's a really good question. You keep thinking about things that you read about in the Bible, okay? Okay. Yeah, call me again if you ever have another question, okay? Thanks for calling, Shoshana. Okay. Okay, You're bye. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Rich in Burlington, Wisconsin, listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line. Rich, how can I help you? Thanks for taking my call. I just had a question. I was reading through Exodus, and it says in Exodus 12, 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. And I'm trying to figure out, I mean, that would be, and that's right before he explains the Passover. Why isn't that the first month at Passover? Why isn't that the first month of the Jewish New Year? rather well, than at Rosh Hashanah in September. Just just uh, to put it this way, 
is there's two kinds of Jewish New Year's. There's the Jewish New Year that we have in Exodus, uh, uh, April, uh, Nisan 14, the uh, the begin at Passover, and that's sort mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, what we would call uh, the the New Year in the Bible. But there is an, another season that began on the first day of Tishri, which indicated the beginning of the penitential season, and that came to be called a second new year. Now, which is the, they're both new years. And the way I would compare it here in America, new year is January 1st, right? That's where we start the year. But, you know, usually school starts in late August or early September, and we talk about the school year. That's the new year. And just because there's a different emphasis so, like, uh, as a result, there are two new years here in America. There's the actual, the legal, and then there might be a third. People have fiscal new years. A lot of organizations start July 1st. And so that's all it is in Judaism. You've got uh, the, the, the spiritual new year that begins in the springtime with Passover, and you've got the penitential season that begins usually around September on Tishri 1. Well, I hope that helps. Uh, we're going to be right back with more of your questions. Trish McMillan's coming in with the mailbag, and so we'll try and answer some of the questions you've sent in. This is Michael Radelnik. You're listening to Moody Radio's Open Line. We'll be right back, so don't go away. Back to Open Line. I'm Michael Radelnik, and joining me right now is Trisha McMillan, producer of Open Line. She's got the mailbag. She's that's the questions that you have sent in, and I appreciate her putting that together. And Trisha, uh, I just want to to say I'm glad you're going to go to Israel with Eva and me and Joe Stoll, Joe and Marty Stoll this June, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, you've been to Israel, and I've been to Israel many times, but I've never been with you, so I'm hoping you'll be adding some guidance for me about uh, locations. I also look forward to adding guidance from you at locations. <laughs> <laughs> no, no you know every what? year when you talk about it, I've, I've always thought, oh, it'd be great to go in here, because I've been once, and it was yeah. amazing. It was 11 years ago, and yeah. um, I went as part of my education um, yeah. for my master's, and this, I'm very excited about this, to get to hear you teach and well, Eva teach and Joe Stoll I talked teach. with Joe Stoll yesterday, and he's pretty excited about it too. That's, yeah. that's pretty fun. Okay, so uh, here's why. The thing. Do, why do you bring that up? Uh, that's right, because <laughs> the trip say, is full. Yeah, the trip is full, but there's a place for two more people. How are they going to get there? Oh, we actually have an Israel flyaway contest going on right now. There's room for two. You can enter to win these pair of tickets as well as your transportation, your hotels, the food, everything that's included with this. Um, You can find a full listing at our website. But you can enter to win this contest at openlineradio.org. Click on the Israel Flyaway Contest banner. The contest ends tomorrow, Sunday, if you're listening to this later, Sunday, February 12th at midnight central time. So that's 
not much more time left. So yeah. I would, if you're sign hearing this, today. sign up now and yeah. and um, get signed up to possibly win this trip for two. All the contest rules and details are on the website. So openlineradio.org and click the banner for the Israel Flyway Contest. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm oh, looking forward to that. Oh, and it's June 4th to 15th. I know sometimes exactly. when we've talked about it, people have said, but when is it? June 4th yeah. to 15th. So in about four months. Yep. It's going to be up. exciting. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 see what we can do here with the mailbag. All right. Bill from Chicago listens to WMBI and wants to know, is there a distinction between the body of Christ and the bride of Christ when referring to the church? He's heard different views, and it's sometimes used interchangeably, um, but it's confusing. So are they the same thing? Are they yeah. different portions well, of it? L- let me just say that the Bible uses things called figures of speech, and this is... Calling the church the bride of Christ is a metaphor. Because uh, how can you have a bride with millions and millions of people? Because that's the universal body of Christ forever, the whole church. It's millions of people. And so it's a, it's a metaphor, the bride of Christ. Uh, so is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. We're the hands and the feet and so forth. And so... Uh, that's a second metaphor. There's other metaphors, like an army is used of the church. So the the thing is, just remember, they're just metaphors uh, to describe a relationship uh, so that we can better understand it. It's sort of like, my love is a red, red rose. Well, your love, hopefully, is not really a red, red rose. It is a metaphor. Uh, and, and in the same way, uh, the, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the army of Christ, they're they're just used in all these different ways to reflect our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Okay. So th- they could be used interchangeably because it is all referring to the that church. Relationship. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. just kind of emphasizing a different part of the relationship yep. when you use that to talk about it. Okay. Great. Thank you so much for that question, Bill. Sorry, I'm still finishing my notes. That's why I'm stalling. Okay, next question. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Next question is from Ed, listens to WMBW in Tennessee. What does the Bible say about the non-elect, that is, those who are not chosen for salvation from the foundation of God's creation? Uh, Well, the, the Bible says that all people, because we all sin, deserve to be separated from God. Election is one of the great mercies of God that he has chosen some. He doesn't ever, we choose to be separated from God. God chooses some, uh, elect some for salvation and chooses us uh, unconditionally, not because of anything good that we have done. Uh, People, well, Spurgeon, I think, said, uh, try to uh, explain election, you'll lose your mind try to explain it away, you lose your soul, which, uh, again, what he was trying to say is we don't, we can't fully explain the relationship between the non-elected. I know that Ed is feeling like, well, it's not fair because they don't get to choose. Because, Listen, in Romans 9, Paul says, he raises this objection. He says, well, why does God still find fault since no one can resist his will? Why would God find fault with the non-elect since they're non-elect? You know, no one can resist his will. And do you know what Paul's answer is? It's not, oh, let me explain election to you. His answer is, who are you, O oh man, 
to talk back to God, to answer back to God. So I don't think that this, what Paul seems to be saying is, and I'm not saying it, but Paul seems to be saying that if I ask that question, it's an inappropriate question. Don't talk back to God. That's what he seems to be saying. So I don't understand it, but I, I believe it. So, okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Ed, for that question. Kim in Illinois listens to WMBI. All the pastors I listen to say when the last person gets saved will be taken up by Jesus in the rapture. Where in the Bible does it say that? Don't they get a chance to build up rewards on earth for themselves? Is is it just that Jesus doesn't have something that he wants for them to accomplish? It's just boom, they accept Christ and they're gone. <laughs> like that last that last pin <laughs> falls and boom, everyone goes. Yeah. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. And, uh, you know, the last one, and then you're gone. Uh, what the Bible says is that no one knows the day or hour of his coming. The rapture is going to happen when we don't know about it. There will be people who will become believers after the church is taken. They'll be in the tribulation period. There will be people afterwards who will come to faith. There will be other people saved. But what if someone, about this question, what if someone comes to know the Lord Jesus at the like five minutes or two minutes before they die? Uh, will they really be saved? Like the thief on the cross, yes. But they they can't build up works to earn rewards. We're just gonna have to trust God for that, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, I I wouldn't worry about that too much. Uh, I'm just glad to be. Listen, wouldn't it be great just to be included? There we go. So, <laughs> so okay. Uh, that's 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 the best I can say about that. Nope. When. I, th- I always want to say when you least expect it. Not only does Candid Camera show up, but uh, remember that TV show. I do. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see if we can get one more in. Okay. Uh, Jennifer in Indiana listens to WGNR. I would like to understand Hesed or Chesed, right? It's Chesed. Chesed. Yeah. Is it similar to Agape? Any key verses to research or bring understanding would be helpful. Well, you, you, most English versions translate it, loyal love, steadfast love, loving kindness. That's where chesed is, uh, you know, for his uh, steadfast love endures forever. You know, you've, you've read those psalms, have you not? Yes. Uh, uh, Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for his good. His chesed is eternal, you know, and it says it, I don't know how many times, 26 times, something like that. Uh, so what chesed means is loyal love, unfailingly loyal love. Uh, never give never give up, never going to give you up, never going to give you up. That's it. That's, that's loyal love. Agape is unconditional love. Uh, but uh, so they're similar, but not, they're both referring to love, but the loyal love of God is what that's referring to. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, so that would mean, I guess, how does it differ? Can we have chesed for other people? Or is it really just something God can demonstrate because it's, we will always fail? I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going out on this on a limb here. I do not believe I've ever read a verse where the word chesed is used of a person. Okay. But it's possible. I'm going out on a limb. Right. Because I'm not sure. I, 
please don't take that unconditionally. Someone can find a verse probably and say I'm wrong. But just off the top of my head, I can't think of a verse okay. that, that has chesed. But it is the love that God shows yeah. us. Yeah. His loyal love for us. It's a, it's a beautiful word, I think. Yeah. And I think loving kindness doesn't capture it. I think loyal love does. Yeah. So, so, so anytime we see, eh, I say anytime, if I see steadfast love, like in Psalm 136 that you referenced, yeah. it actually says his loving kindness yeah. is everlasting. Is yeah. Um, and the, the HCSB says his love, but it's, it's chesed. Okay. So if I'm yeah. seeing, so for instance, NASB, which is what I'm holding in yeah. the studio, it says loving kindness. So anytime I see loving kindness, there's a good chance it's Hesed. Hesed, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'd be looking for steadfast and, love or loyal love yeah. as I'm looking in my English translation for yeah. that. And it's, and it's the nature of God. You know, think about it. This is why God is so faithful to his promises to Israel because he has loyal love. He's got Hesed for Israel. And so uh, that's why I trust him to keep every promise. So, yeah. There you have yeah. it. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture. Yep. Hesed. Yep. I almost yeah. got it. <laughs> no matter no matter what we do, he doesn't he doesn't break covenant with us. He loves us. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture. Well we're gonna take a we're gonna take a break. Trisha, as always, thanks for putting the mailbag together. And thanks uh, for writing in everyone. You can always go to openlineradio.org, click on the link that says ask Michael a question, and you can put your question there and Trish will put it in the mailbag. Don't forget to sign up for the Israel Flyaway Contest by going to openlineradio.org. Just today and tomorrow. We're going to be right back with more of your questions here on Open Line. Don't go away. Welcome back to Open Line. I'm so glad that uh, you're listening in today. Really grateful for it. Uh, it's a wonderful time studying the Word together. Uh before we go to your calls, uh, I just want to remind you about the the offer from Chosen People Ministries. Uh, it's, it's kind of s- uh, significant to me because my mom survived the Holocaust and told me many stories of faith and people coming uh, to faith in the concentration camp, in the ghettos, uh, of the ministry of believers in the, in that time, that terrible time. And the reason I think that's significant is Chosen People Ministries that's gone through their files and they have records of their ministry in Europe during that terrible time. And they've produced this book. It's called Never Again, The Holocaust Remembered. It's a collection of stories from the archives of Chosen People Ministries detailing the courage and the bravery and the grace found in the midst of the unspeakable tragedy of the Holocaust. And it shows that God's still at work, is always at work. And so... Uh, it's a. I think it's a great resource to read. I think you'll really like it. If you'd like a free copy, all you have to do is go to the openlineradio.org website. That's our website, openlineradio.org. Scroll down until you see the link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that and you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your own copy of Never Again, The Holocaust Remembered. And we're going to go back to the phones right now and uh, speak with, uh, let's see who we're speaking with next. We're going to speak with JB in Martinsville, Indiana, listening on Alexa. Thank you, Alexa. How can I help you, JB? <laughs> yes, thank, well, I got a biblical-based question, okay? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. 
Luke has it in chapter 23, but other people have it where, where uh, Jesus, you know, the sun was dark and, and the veil of the temple was rent in midst. And when, uh, you know, so that's the basis of my question. My question is, once that veil was rent and, you know, we went, moved into this New Testament and everything, did the priest try to continue? Did they repair the veil? Did they make a new one? Did they go in there and catch on that the spirit wasn't there or was there? Or what? It, tell me what happened from that. I, that's not going to be recorded in my Bible. Well, I don't. I really, I don't know what happened. Did they fix the the tent? I don't know. Uh, the veil? Yeah. Did they fix? I. Yeah. Is there I, any historical nothing, record of that they no, ever did? No, there is nothing about that. Continue to worship. There's nothing about that. However, um, uh, what I do know is that sacrifices were still offered, so I am going to guess that the uh, the veil was repaired or replaced. Okay. Uh, so they did. There is historical yeah, record that they there did. There is evidence because it's. The, yeah. yeah, there's evidence in the Talmud about events that took place with sacrifices in for the 40 years. Uh, after before the destruction of the temple, the temple was destroyed in the year A.D. seventy, and they say mm-hmm. there's these things about the the Yom Kippur sacrifice and and things that happened in the temple, and there it refers to uh, uh, temple sacrifices. So I do know that there were uh, uh, sacrifices offered. So okay. Yeah, and it makes me wonder: Was there any record that, like, you know, guess who didn't show up? I mean, you know, did did God show up? I mean, well, that's the, that's what the that's what the events. For example, they used to hang a red cord outside the temple, and when the Yom Kippur sacrifice was offered, the the red cord uh-huh. would would turn white. Though your sins be as really? scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That's a tradition. Yeah, and then they say, right. forty years before the destruction of the temple, uh. Forty years, uh, the the red cord ceased to turn white. So there are traditions oh. like that. So uh, okay, where where uh, so there? I know there were sacrifices. I guess the re- the veil was replaced or repaired. Thanks for your call. Uh, we're going to speak next with here we go, uh, Grant in Monticello, Minnesota. Listen on KTS KTIS. Welcome to Open Line, Grant. How can I help you? Oh, good morning, sir. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, first, sure. I ask God to bless you and the work you're doing. I think it's amazing, and I've been listening uh, most of my life, actually. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's great. Um, well, my question, I'm, sir. I haven't been on quite that long, but thank you. I appreciate it. So, uh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, my question, sir, is about uh, the word apostle and what mm-hmm. that means. Because mm-hmm. um, I was in a Bible study this morning, and we were going over Galatians when Paul is talking about joining the apostles, and he talks to James, who is considered an apostle, but he wasn't with the original 12, with Jesus when he walked the earth. Um, and then, again, in 2 Corinthians... Wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, 12, go 11. back to... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Where in Galatians are you talking about? Um, Galatians 2, I believe. Yeah, uh, he calls James an apostle? Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought he called him a leader. So it, it might be a different uh, translation or so. Yeah. No, I could no, be wrong. Here it is. Um, uh, when James, Cephas, and John 
recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas. It doesn't call uh, James an apostle. Okay. Okay. Um, but my question, sir, is about what is the definition of an apostle? Good. And I'm ha- yeah. uh, is it still possible to have apostles walking the earth today? Mm-hmm. Okay. There were uh, 12 apostles for the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, and that's why they had, when Judas failed and was, uh, he was replaced in Acts 1. And so you still have these 12 apostles. And there were apostles to the uncircumcised, like Paul and Barnabas. Uh, that's why Paul wasn't part of the 12, because they needed 12 just for the 12 tribes of Israel. That was their first uh, responsibility. Uh, then there were other apostles like that. These early apostles, Second Corinthians twelve twelve talks about the signs and wonders performed as apostles. So everyone just couldn't be an apostle. Ephesians two twenty talks about that there were they were the foundation of the church was laid by the apostles and prophets. First Corinthians nine one talks about not that they not only in Second Corinthians did signs and wonders, but also that they had to be, uh, they had to see the risen Lord. Like Paul says, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord? Uh, in Acts 1, when they chose an apostle, had to be someone who was a witness to the resurrection. So that's the official, I call that apostle with a capital A, the foundation of the church with the Lord Jesus, the cornerstone. Then there's another, the word apostle is used in 1 Corinthians 16, 7, uh, they are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles, and they were also in Christ before me. Uh, the apostle with a small a is just a missionary gift. That's uh, also possible. That is possible today. The signs and wonders apostles are not. Well, I can't believe that's the program for the week. Thanks for your call. Thanks for listening, everyone, especially those of you who called with questions. Thanks for making Open Mind possible. Thanks. Scott, for allowing me to use WGNB today. I really appreciate being here. You're and as welcome. always, thanks to the Chicago crew, Christian McMillan and Courtney Young, our engineer, and Charles Coletter for answering the phones. Keep in touch with us by going to our website, openlineradio.org. There's all sorts of great links for you to check out right there, uh, including our current resource on how to become a kitchen table partner. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Michael Radelnik is a production of Moody Radio the ministry of Moody Bible Institute. See you next week.